Hello and welcome back to The Trail Podcast. My name is Matthew Werdenham and I'm a physiotherapist working alongside the trail team here at La Trobe University. On this week's episode of the podcast, we speak with Australian long-distance runner Julian Spence. Julian is the host of the popular Inside Running podcast, and when he is not running himself, you can find him helping others with their running at The Running Company, a running shoe store that he owns in Ballarat. In Julian's spare time, he also coaches trail ambassador Ellie Pashley. So, without further delay, let's jump into the podcast. Julian, welcome to the Trail Podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm curious, how is it that you got into running and did you always see yourself becoming a marathon runner? I kind of did, actually. So I started running, I did school cross countries and stuff and was quite good at it without ever being a um, runner as such, just going off the back of like football training and and, and I seemed to do well at the cross country. So I always had this... uh, like really hidden ambition to be a runner when I was in high school, but you could just never do that because like in the public school system in Victoria, you, you don't really, there's no real avenue. It's, 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 it's whether you're good at it, you go further or, or not. There's no training involved in private schools a bit different, but not in the public schools. You have to kind of go outside that to get your own training. Um, so I never did that. I never followed up on it. And then I can remember actually the, the time when, I thought I'm going to have a crack at running. I'd been playing football for a while and I was getting sick of it. I was getting bored of it. I was sort of losing ambition and I really wanted to have a, have a crack at something like a hundred percent. And I was, I was watching in my bedroom, the Beijing Olympics, the marathon 2008. And, and I, I was watching Samuel Wanjiru won that and it was a hot day. And I just remember thinking I could do this. Like I could do this. I, I'm sure I could do it. I, and um, I was so naive at the time, but I thought I want to run. A, I'm going to run a marathon, and I'm going to I'm going to be really good at it. So it was pretty quite a quite a weird way to like consider uh, running. But I thought I'm not going to be a jogger. I'm going to do this at a really high level, and that's without ever really running properly or doing a fun run or anything. So um, that's that's myself seeing in the future a marathon runner in me but I and then I just started to jog and uh entered a a half marathon that year and and then yeah got into it a little further and further and further that's amazing I had I had no idea that that's how you got into running do you ever look back on on that moment and think about how far you've come yeah well I have recently because I just remembered it the other day. I thought, I remember, why do I remember that so vividly, that that Beijing Olympic Games marathon? And then I remember I had this old TV set in my bedroom and I just remember it was like, I reckon it was, I was watching it one afternoon. I think I was hungover, right? And I was sort of, I was going, gee, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Not Like, I always really wanted to be, like the top level at something and I just wasn't getting it with with football or cricket or surfing or anything else and so I I remember watching it and I thought maybe I'll do it at running maybe running's my thing and um yeah so I remember I I was thinking back lately going 
so naive at the time to think it was even a possibility, but uh, but now I've run for Australia, so yeah, it's pretty funny. Ignorance is is bliss in in that situation. So over the last couple of years, you've been getting consistently faster and faster. Could you describe what a, a training week generally looks like now and, and how it's progressed over the last couple of years? Yeah, so my um, training, my training's developed after having a lot of different influences um, throughout sort of my early running career. So going through like a range of different coaches who have shaped my own philosophy on, on training principles, I guess. And so nowadays my training week looks quite different from what it, it did used to look like in the past. I, I prioritize consistency and then volume of training rather than intensity or, or a, a large amount of workouts. I, I prefer to, to get in more aerobic based training and longer runs. So keeping key sort of priority for me is a longer run filled in a week filled with lots of other easy running and then a week now looks like monday is an easy day so coming off a sunday i I take it easy and then tuesday tuesday evening i do a workout normally it's a um it's repeats or intervals like one to three minute intervals and i might do a, a total sort of volume of about 15 to 20 minutes worth of that Wednesday is is easy running. Thursday easy running with some some faster surges built into the run. Friday I, I do a threshold workout, so uh, this could be sort of 25 to to 40 minutes worth of threshold work. Uh, sometimes it's straight. Sometimes it's broken up into into chunks like four by eight minutes with with jogs in between. Sometimes it's a fartlek, and and sometimes it's a longer tempo that's an hour long. Uh, and then Friday is, is jogging, Saturday jogging, and, and Sunday a longer run. Uh, hope, like, it should really be a minimum of two hours for for me. Um, but I've had a few niggles lately. So I try to aim, like, when I'm when I'm in form and when I'm training for a, a, an event, I normally try to aim for about 180 kilometres a week. And, and a marathon week looks a little different to what I just described. I'll, I'll actually do a workout on a Sunday and a workout on a Wednesday. So, again, less um, intensity, more volume. And how have you found your body adapting to prioritizing the, the consistency over the intensity? Yeah, well, it's it was a sign of impatience early, I think, when I, I was coming – into the sport and I wasn't conditioned to handle the volume that everyone around me was training at because they'd spent a lot more time building up to that. But, but because I had a bit of talent, I'd I'd jump in these training groups and I'd sort of be at the, in the front group and my mileage, I was just sort of trying to beat everybody else and I was trying to do more than everybody else. And I would continually break down. And, And so that was a combination of sort of workouts too fast long runs too long, easy runs too easy, and, and too much overall volume for what I could could handle at the time. So it, I actually didn't progress too much in my first like 10 years of, of running, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe eight years of running until I sort of took it right back and I started to build up very slowly. And 
all of a sudden I linked together a couple of years without an injury and my marathon times just got so much faster and I was making these breakthroughs without doing anything too crazy in training and so it was I just almost stumbled upon this sort of it's not even a secret but I just I'd stumbled upon something that I'd never really considered that important and all of a sudden my the results were showing so the the body the like over three or four years without an injury all of a sudden 160 kilometers per week is quite safe but when I was trying to do that off three months of linked training it would it would always end up in failure and I would break down so I've, I've sort of become more patient seeing longer term longer term plans pay off now and I know it's not the fun sexy sort of advice people look for but it is it is the best advice that consistency and the long-term approach will will make you faster that's that's really interesting and it's it's really great to hear that that as the body adapts your performance adapts as well yeah yeah it's i think if you're focusing on i think one of the real traps is is this three three month marathon program or 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 eight week 5k program where people have this goal which is great and then everything just like builds to this one sort of thing very quickly very sharply and then it falls off after that i think early stages you want to get your training structure right and then you plug in a few events along the way just as a sort of little little treats i guess with the actual development of your your conditioning as the priority and then the events are a little bit of a treat and a teaser almost like a a carrot along the way to keep you keep you interested i think using one sort of event goal race when you're not developed as an athlete or as a runner is a trap yeah yeah that's some really great advice and a really interesting approach to to running and and to competing in in marathons or fun runs and and the like yeah yeah it's it and again it's hard like we want to get people into events and we want them to sort of have these goals because that's why people train right to do the best they can but i think we're we're always a little short-sighted with our um with our running and yeah like rushing it's there's nothing worse than trying to rush yourself to get fit that is just recipe for disaster absolutely in addition to being a marathon runner and a host of the popular Inside Running podcast, you also own a running shoe store. What inspired you to open up a shop? Yeah, um, I own the store with Bree, my wife now. So we, we own the store together. And we, we were both working in the running company in um, Geelong to begin with. So we, uh, I started there in 2011 towards the, the, back, the back end 2011 and um, Scott Nicholas was the owner of the, the store at the time and he'd worked for Nike for a long time and this was sort of the running company's early days back then. Um, this is only a few stores at that time and he, he taught me footwear and he he actually, he really did groom me into sort of owning, <laughs> owning of being a business owner because he, he showed me business life, I guess, and I don't really know much about any other business except a running store. But 
I was the manager there for a while and Brie was the assistant manager and uh, we, we basically learned, we got to practice owning a store before we even did it. Uh, so we got to a point when um, we, we wanted to do our own thing and so we headed we headed down to Ballarat, which is like this running mecca of, of almost Australia, really. Ballarat's sort of the, one of the places we think of when we think running running locations. And uh, there was no running specialty store there. And we were noticing a lot of Ballarat runners coming up to the Geelong store and telling us, like, oh, this would be a fantastic idea in Ballarat and rah, rah, rah. And, yeah, so we moved down the highway. And um, that was that was four and a half years ago now. So we... We we love it. Like we are obviously shoe shoe geeks, and we're running geeks, and uh, we we just love the fact that we see these closet runners. Right, <laughs> it's, a closet runner is someone who comes into our store almost nervous to come in, but once they come in and they see that we're sort of just as nerdy and we're we're part of the same culture, like community that they really like want to be part of. And we, we can chat about the same things, get excited over tiny little things like they do. And all of a sudden they start opening up and there's like this space that we've made down there where someone can come in and, and basically identify as a runner. And, uh, you can tell like if they try to talk about running like at home with the family, then no one cares. They just kind of get ignored or at their workplace trying to explain like, what they did on their long run on the weekend and how it went. No one really listens and they're not find, really finding a, a real, <laughs> a, a nice sort of, I guess, empathy at work. And then they come in the running store and everyone's just talking about the same things that they really want to talk about. So that's kind of the best thing about the running store. And that's why we, that's why we still do it really. It's like a, it's like a, a special, like a space for, for other people that we, um, that we, we vibe with. That's awesome. Getting that opportunity time and time again must be such a great feeling for you every time the closet runner comes in. Absolutely. And there is a massive difference between a running shoe store and a running store. A massive difference. In the past in Australia, we've had running shoe stores and you'll find them like in the malls and stuff. And there is absolutely no running vibe going on in there whatsoever it's it's different to walk into a running store than a running shoe store and i think in the past yeah we've sort of uh we've sort of been starved of that a bit in australia depending on where you live and um now there are places you can go and 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 chat what gels you want to take or or talk about like the race coming up or the local trails in the area what running groups you can run with that sort of thing Um, you would never get that at a, a running shoe store like we've had in the past Definitely. So as the owner of a running shoe store, I imagine that you see quite a variety of runners. What's the first question that you typically ask a runner who comes into the store looking to buy a pair of shoes? Yeah, we definitely see a variety of runners and and there is no like typical runner. Uh, a lot of the time people sort of have this misconception that we sell racing shoes all day to, to high level runners. Um, <laughs> and not quite the case we the first question we can we ask someone is how can how can we help like what are you looking for uh what do you do with your shoes are you a runner are you a walker are you a runner that are you a walker that wants to be a runner are you a trail runner are you going to use these shoes for for the gym as well do you play netball in them what sort of shoes have you worn in the past uh what are your current niggles like there's so much that goes in 
before we even bring a shoe out. The, the, the initial sort of conversation, it might not be the first question, but the initial conversation with someone about their shoes normally lasts 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and then we, then we get into it a little further. But yeah, the first, the first question is normally, how can we help you? And then they'll, 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 most of the time they'll sort of explain like what they're looking for, what issues they've had, and and we're we're kind of problem solvers for them. So if they're telling me that their their feet go numb in a shoe, I'm automatically thinking, what can we do for you? Like how can we fix that issue? If they're telling me that uh, they're losing grip or they're on, on a certain trail in town, then okay, how can we help that? Or or they keep wearing out in this spot, and I'm thinking, oh, well. What shoe might be more durable there? They're the sorts of things that we do. So we're, we're kind of problem solvers, I guess. And do you see any common mistakes in, in the runner who comes in looking for something as far as wanting a shoe that they've seen online or wanting the same shoe that someone in their training group has? Are there, are there any common mistakes that you see runners consistently asking? Yeah, brand, like brand bias is is one. So if a runner comes in and says my um my physio told me that I, like that I should wear an ASIC shoe, it's it's very sort of narrow minded and it's it's almost um, well it is poor advice because there are so many different models within the ASICs range that they could get either right or wrong with their selections and there's nothing really in like. Every, every brand is making good shoes now and they have a variety of different fits and feels and cushion levels and some are more stable than others, some are more rocked than others. And so having sort of a, a preconception of, of what they need, sometimes it's right, but a lot of the time if it's, if it's based off advice from someone maybe who, who's not that versed in, in running shoes, <laughs> uh, we have to break that down a little at the start. <laughs> And, and just sort of ask why and, 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 and almost like have the, the customer trust us that, that we can provide like unbiased, uh, helpful advice. Because again, retail's been poor in Australia in terms of running shoes. And so um, there hasn't been a lot of trust involved in, in, in specialist stores like ours. So occasionally we do have to break that down and try to um, get the customer to, to trust our advice. Like, and, and then it is looking back and, and, and working out sort of why they have these conceptions and then maybe providing sort of um, a little background on that and educating the customer. So a lot of the, like we want a customer leaving that's that's more knowledgeable than than when they come in on shoes and what, what might be right for them. So, yeah, the, the misconceptions are that support in the past has been this safe, protective word. Like the concept of a support shoe has always felt really um, like a like a fallback safe thing for a customer, and and a lot of the time it, it's actually a harmful thing on their foot. So not everyone, but a lot of the time, like customers are wearing shoes because they've been given a support shoe because they run a lot. When really support shoes for that sort of customer might be the exact opposite of what they require. And, and a lot of the, like the biggest mistake we see as well is, is shoes that are too small and too narrow. 
uh, that's day in day out is is customers wearing shoes that don't actually allow the foot to splay and function properly inside and are really constrictive. So they're the two main misconceptions or, or, or mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, not every runner will have the pleasure of coming into your store to buy their next pair of running shoes. So what questions or questions should a recreational runner ask before buying a new pair of shoes? This is a difficult one because the answers that you get, depending what store you go into, can be biased and they can be uh, <laughs> there can be a lot of sort of misadvice associated with the with the answers to their questions so for instance if you if you do go into a good running store then um then you shouldn't really need to ask you'll be the one answering the questions right uh and then the throughout the fitting there will be questions asked of you do you feel pressure uh does that feel smooth do you notice the softness difference here and here does it feel stable do the shoes feel light all these sorts of things like we're trying to get feedback from you throughout the fitting um, so they're the questions that will need answering i guess the most i would start asking i would probably ask what's the difference between this shoe and this shoe and how will it affect this this issue i'm having so if you go in with say let's say an achilles niggle and the the, the sales assistant brings out sort of two shoes then there should be, they should be able to sort of chat about the different features that might help unload that Achilles or, or potentially provide you a less risky shoe option. And a lot of the time, we, we sort of get back, get down to this final decision where the, the, the customer's sort of torn between staying with a safe option that they might have known in the past or trying something different, part of this sort of new school wave of shoes that are quite a different and foreign experience to them, but may provide them a little more benefit. And so ask questions definitely to like towards the end of the fitting about specifics of shoes and what might be better for different surfaces, what might be better for other things you do. If you're a walker, if you go to the gym, like there will be differences within these, these shoes. What might um, be more durable for a certain condition? So yeah, I, I think it's it's more of a discussion with a sales assistant rather than sort of peppering them with questions. It almost sounds like you want to be in a store where you're answering more questions than you're asking. Yeah, exactly. It's it like to a degree we don't get too we, we don't we don't want to be like a consultation type setup where it, but we have to work out what's going on before we start providing advice. And so we, we only get that information through asking questions. And so, yeah, you, you will be answering more. Or, or if you're after something in particular, like if you go in and ask for a, a trail shoe, then you can sort of talk about the. You can ask about the grip patterns. Or if you're, if you're good with footwear, then you can walk in, ask all these questions. The sales assistants can answer it, hopefully. And then you'll know which shoe to go for based on your experience. But a lot of the time, uh, customers maybe have been purchasing online, so they haven't had a chance to experience different feels before. So we want to expose them to different different feels in shoes. And the way foams are going and the geometry of shoes is, six months ago, if you walked into the store, you would have had a whole host of different experiences than right now. 
because all the shoes are updating in, in a big way and foams are innovating at a lightning rate. So like it, we, we talk about shoes now, a lot of the time, like 10 years ago, we talked about support, stability, safe, stable. Now we talk about experience as, as a much bigger part of it. Like what feels better? What do you feel like a lot of the, like the, one of the good questions we ask is which one do you feel like you want to go out for a run and which shoe do you feel like is safer maybe? And then we discuss how risky each shoe is based on their sort of uh, previous injury history or whatever, but experience and, and value in the footwear now is not about longevity durability. It's a lot of, it's about the quality of the experience you're getting in that shoe. So Julian, a recreational runner who runs three times a week and who has a history of knee pain comes in to see you at the running company. What advice are you giving them about shoe selection? That's a tricky question because everybody is exactly like different. So everybody, well, there's a range of different knee pain causes out there, I guess, different knee injuries. And we're not physios. Our job's not to diagnose that to start with. And then there's a range of causes that cause those injuries. And again, it's not our job to really to work that out. That's a, that's a physio, whatever, sports doctor, podiatrist job for that. So our job is to find, I guess, footwear that helps their running journey the best and work out, I guess, we can make small calls on whether maybe their previous shoes haven't been helping them. So... If this customer, like we, we have a general sort of idea that like a lower offset shoe might help knee pain, hip pain, that kind of thing. And a higher offset shoe might help sort of Achilles calf just through like the fact that we know different offsets change where load is taken. But that is a little bit too complex, I think, to start using shoes to treat knee injuries. So we really don't go there too much because I can give someone a minimal shoe and say, oh, you've got knee pain, you should wear this zero drop, super flexible shoe. And this is going to be great for your knee pain. But, but this customer is 40 kilos overweight and they're a walker slash massive overstriding heel striker. Now, if I give them that shoe and say, yep, this is good for your knees, off you go, then, then that's sort of irresponsible in my mind. And, and where our job's not a physio to sort of talk them through running gait and, and, and this sort of thing. So we, we give them a shoe that will be as least risky as possible and, and least risky not just for their knee pain but for all other aspects of their, their exercise as well. And um, we, we try not to make huge changes in where someone will absorb load, I guess. Uh, so we have to be quite um, conservative in that regard but we can talk them through the different features of a shoe and how it may affect their running and their injuries. So the link between sort of knee pain and, and footwear, it's not strong enough to make solid recommendations on. So we will fit that customer generally how we would fit every other customer. And then we would refer someone to a physio, to a biomechanist, to whoever we, we think, or even like a running coach, right? So what's what, what do people get injured from? A lot of the time, it's just poor load management. And so maybe 
the, as, like throughout the fitting, we chat about their running training because we're actually really experienced runners in the store, and that's a difference. And we can, I'm very happy to chat running load with someone. I won't talk about their actual like <laughs> physio stuff, but I can t- talk to them and and try to work out. Oh, you run 50k a week. You run three times a week and everything's at your 10k pace or as close as possible to as hard as you can go well here's what i would do i might how about you run four times a week but you break it down into much slower like so we can provide advice as well as shoe selection we'll chat to them about their training i think that's where it differs if you go into a running store as well versus a running shoe store but yeah knee pain to, to footwear selection, um, there's not the clearest link where we'll do anything drastically different to how we would fit a, a normal customer. Julian, thank you very much for your time today. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, Matt. Thanks for having me on and good job with this. I'm a, I'm a fan. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to share it with family and friends with or without knee pain. If you're interested in learning more, head to the Latrobe Sport and Exercise Medicine Research Centre's Twitter account at Latrobe SEM. You can also find us on Facebook at Latrobe SEMRC. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again for the next instalment of The Trail Podcast.